bow our heads once again. Father, we, uh, we pray and ask that we would not be pressed into the world's mold, but that we would be transformed by your indwelling Holy Spirit. And we pray that our time and your word today would be helpful to that end. Help me to teach well, help the people to listen well, give them discernment to weigh all things by your word and by your spirit and uh, resolve to hold on to what is good and the grace to hold on to what is good. Uh, we, um, we give ourselves to you and our minds, our attention to you as we open your word and we we ask it in, in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Well, the false, the false gospel of our age is what I have come to think of and just immediately comes to mind as the gospel of the sovereign self. As far as I know, I, I, that may be my terminology. You, know, you might not see that anywhere else. And if I, I may have read it somewhere. If I swiped it from someone else, I've conveniently forgotten about it, and I think I, I think I thought of it. But I, the reason, one of the reasons I think it might be, it, it might be mine, is that you know now having given it a lot of thought and thinking through it, uh, it, it now it strikes me as imprecise. You know the, the 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 gospel, the false gospel of the sovereign self. The word sovereign, as it applies to God, means that God is the supreme dispenser of all events. He's, and nothing happens that is outside the scope of his dominion. Isaiah 46, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I will accomplish all my purpose. That's a statement of God's sovereignty. As after a long time in the school of hard knocks, Job spoke of the sovereign God. He said this, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. That's sovereignty, God's sovereignty. In Daniel 4, Nebuchadnezzar, he went, he went from pagan king to crazy person to worshiper of God, you know, <laughs> In a short time, seven periods of time, actually, in Daniel chapter 4. But he says, all, he declares, all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing. He does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? That's God's sovereignty. He's, he, he's the dispenser of all events. He's, nothing happens that is outside his control. New Testament, Paul describing this God in Ephesians chapter 1. He works all things according to the counsel of his will. I, I love the, the 1646 Westminster Confession of Faith at this point. It, it, to me, it sums up, the it, as it does so often, it sums up the whole of the biblical teaching brilliantly, I think. But here's the statement. God from all eternity did by the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever comes to pass. Yet so is thereby neither is God the author of sin 
nor is violence offered to the will of the creature, nor is the liberty or contingency of secondary causes taken away, but rather established. Seems brilliant to me. They're like, how does that work? It just does. That's what's... <laughs> That's what the Bible teaches, and here it is in a succinct statement. Now, here's where I'm, here's where I'm saying that, that applying that word sovereignty to this false gospel of the sovereign self might you know, seem imprecise. The gospel of the sovereign self does not affirm the sovereignty of the self in that sense, in, those, in that ways I just described. In, in, that, in the way I've just described and used the word sovereignty as it applies to God, even, even under the terms of the gospel of the sovereign self, the self can be thwarted. And it often is thwarted. It doesn't get its way all the time with everything. In fact, in most people, under the terms of the gospel of the sovereign self, under the terms of that gospel, most people... Most selves are not sovereign in, 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 in that sense, and it's, it, it really is thwarted in most cases. It's thwarted, the gospel of the self is thwarted by oppressive societal structures, by forced expectations. You, you know, you're not free to be you because a society is pressing you into this shape and that shape. It's suppressed by prejudice and hate and lies. It, it can be tragically unrealized by a, a false sense of self or by a poorly developed sense of self-regard or, or just by a simple lack of courage and, and a lack of inspiration to discover and follow one's true self. So it's not sovereign in that ultimate sense, this, you know, the gospel of the sovereign self, but it's sovereign in this way. According to the gospel of the sovereign self, the self should be sovereign. It should be the decider in all things. It must be made sovereign if, if life is to be all it can be. It's potentially sovereign. There's absolutely, you know, if the obstructions are identified and, you know, you, you overcome the obstacles, there's no limit at all to what your life could be according to the gospel of the sovereign self. You just have to overcome those outward oppressive pressures and those inward obstacles and follow your heart. The Bible says that God, this Ephesians 3.20, is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. That's a statement of God's sovereignty. The gospel of the sovereign self says you are able to do far more abundantly than all that you ask or think according to the power of the, of the self that longs to be unshackled, that longs to be unleashed. If you would just but get in touch with your deepest, truest heart and have the courage and determination to follow it wherever it leads, make the self-sovereign, says this gospel. 
Jesus says, with God, all things are possible. That's God's sovereignty. With God, all things are possible. The gospel of the sovereign self says, all things are possible to him who follows his heart. Paul says, I can do all things through him, through Christ who strengthens me. Now that's a promise that begs to be read in its context, but let's just stay, let it stand on its own for now. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The gospel of the sovereign self says, just simply, I can do or I can be all things by believing in myself. And our culture is awash in this gospel. It's regarded as so obviously and transparently true, it just seems and it sounds undeniable, uh, inspirational, wonderful, profound. Steve Jobs, jo Steve Jobs, Mr. Apple himself. I mean, used to seeing J-O-B in the notes as Job, you know. <laughs> but Steve Jobs said, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. Don't be trapped by dogma, which is living with results of other people's thinking. Don't let the noise of others' opinions drown out your own inner voice. And most important, have the courage to follow your heart and your intuition. That's Steve Jobs. I mean, you want to be successful and brilliant and innovative and rich, right? He's telling us how. You have to have the courage to follow your heart. Inspirational self-help author Nikki Rowe said, How wrong we are to ignore our hearts to follow the familiar path. Salvation's in the self. You know, I, I looked her up because I didn't know who she was. And Goodreads, and you can see the same thing on Amazon. This is kind of her author's blurb she is a quote a free spirit living her dream from sunshine coast australia this young australian mom author artist is untamed by society living a life that feeds her core there's funny stuff coming but that's not supposed to be it <laughs> She published her, continuing, she published her first inspirational self-help book, Once a Girl, Now a Woman, in 2013, after experiencing a journey to heal within. In recent years, she has been diagnosed as a CRPS warrior. I had to look that up, too. It's chronic regional pain syndrome. She is being diagnosed as a chronic regional pain syndrome warrior. Her motivation is now fueled by her passion to beat the pain through art, words, and skateboarding. I have to talk to my oncologist. 
He's a very positive guy, very upbeat guy, but he has yet to diagnose me as a cancer warrior. I got bad news and good news. You're a cancer warrior. <laughs> He's never said that. But I, I hope you can hear all that, like that description, the religious nature of it all. I hope you can hear a gospel in it, a gospel, not your gospel, not the gospel of Christ, salvation it's, you know, by grace through faith in Christ, but a gospel, because there's one in there. The, the self is where all the answers lie. They're already there. Look into yourself. Discover yourself. Find yourself. Be yourself to the utmost. That's where success lies. That's where healing is to be found. That's where real life is. Another author, Amy Lee McCree, is an, she's another media personality, someone on TV, an expert. She's a, an expert dating and relationships and wellness. Someone who can get on the morning shows, on the news. You can't. But she can. Her, her big book is The Spiritual Girl's Guide to Dating, Your Enlightened Path to Love, Sex, and Soulmates plural i don't know why soulmates would be plural but there it is she says heart flow means listening to your intuition and hunches and following your heart how can you let your heart lead you today you got to think about that every morning another author of a, a book titled, What Makes You Great. It says, you must never doubt your ability to achieve anything, become anything, overcome anything, and inspire everything. And just to show you, just to show you that this gospel of the sovereign self is not just the domain of, like, wacky snowflake types... <laughs> Here it is from Joe Plumeri, a rich Republican insurance magnate. Rich guy, CEO. He says you can't do passion halfway. Living your passion means you're all in. You trust your heart. You trust your gut wherever it takes you. TV actor Eric Mabus, you have to follow your heart, otherwise you're living a false life. You don't want to live a false life, do you? You want to be authentically yourself. In the course of your years, you want to at least find out who you are and be that, don't you? The great danger under the gospel of the sovereign self is you... Could be you could be shaped. Matter of fact, you will be if you don't do it on purpose. Something else, you will be shaped by outside forces instead of being authentically yourself and living a false life, living out someone else's idea of what you should be and what you should do instead of who you are, instead of who you want to be, instead of what you want to do and what you. Want to be to make the most out of your life. And that's damnation according to the gospel of the sovereign self. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. To be pressed into, 
to be subject to outside forces that press you into this way of being or that way of being or doing this or doing that and succumbing to the expectations of others. That's the worst thing that can happen. You live a false life. You use up your years living up some other life, other, living out some other life other than your own. Living life to please others, conforming to the expectations of others, mindlessly following the well-worn path. The gospel of the sovereign self says broad is the way that leads to the ordinary, unremarkable, unfulfilled, hardly worth living life. But you can be saved. Salvation's already within you. Your heart knows the way. Get in touch with it. Listen to it. And follow it. Female soccer star, star Mia Hamm says, Follow your heart and make it your decision. And sports, by the way, is piled up high. It is dominated by the religion, the gospel of the sovereign self. Every post-game interview with the winners, with the victors, goes something like this. How do you explain that miraculous win? We just believed in ourselves no matter what. We didn't care what the score was. We didn't care what the obstacles. We believed in ourselves, and in the end, it worked. We won. Sometimes they lie a little bit and said, we knew it the whole time. (laughs) We knew. We were the only ones who believed in ourselves. Nobody else did, but we believed in ourselves And that pushed us over the top. Nobody says, wow, that was pure luck. (laughs) Nobody says that. Maybe the losers do. But nobody's interviewing them. No, it's, we willed ourselves to victory. the, The power of ourself made the sun come up. William Wallace's deceased dad and Braveheart told him in a dream, your heart is free, have the courage to follow it. And that, Braveheart, that's in the Christian DVD canon, you know. <laughs> Judging by how many sermon illustrations come from Braveheart. Here's a quote, if you follow your dreams, it means you follow your heart. If you do not, if you, if you do follow your heart, rather, if you do follow your heart, I, you cannot go wrong. Well, that's Celine Dion. That's no, no, nobody. It's a very successful person. And she's convinced that not only is her heart a, and an errant and benevolent leader guide to her life, but it's one that will go on and on and on and on. <laughs> Laker girl become famous and fabulous Hollywood star Paula Abdul. 
She says, break the rules, stand apart, ignore your head and follow your heart. That's how you get to be rich and famous and fabulous like Paula Abdul. You follow your heart. It's, it's just, your heart's just waiting you to give you a Paula Abdul kind of life. Our, our youngest daughter, Ruth, and I were watching Paula Abdul. This confession time. We were sitting in the living room together alone, and we were watching Paula Abdul's reality show. I hope I still have a job after, <laughs> after confessing that. And we saw a tearful Paula Abdul in the back of a cab lamenting having to hire and train a new personal assistant. And she's practically weeping, and through her tears she said, I am so tired of not being treated like the gift that I am. And our daughter Ruth practically came off the sofa and she said, That is awesome! I am so going to use that! <laughs> Here, here's a quote. Listen to advice, but follow your heart. That's the late, great Conway Twitty. <laughs> Hello, darling, you know. So it, it's everybody who is somebody got to, this is what you get just watching TV and listening anywhere. Every, everybody who is somebody got to be somebody by following their heart, by discovering their self and being that and nurturing that. And you, if you restate the gospel of the sovereign self in any form you just people just say it a lot of times they say the same thing follow your heart follow your heart follow your heart sometimes they say it a little bit different and they tweak it a little bit but if you just say it in any form you'll be thought to have said something profound and something inspirational and something to like on facebook and something to something to be admired and send to other people and it, it, it's going to be seen to be right and obviously right and helpful and noble and inspirational. And they're, they're, they're Christian versions, of course, that for people like us make it all the more seductive. God and Christ and the gospel become means by which your best self and your truest self can be realized. But to the extent that the gospel of the sovereign self has been incorporated into the church's message or used as a vehicle for the church's message or for the gospel of salvation by grace through faith in Christ, to the, to the extent that it has, it's the gospel of sovereign self has just been... Um, baptized with Christian terminology and symbols, it ceased to be the gospel at all. And those who proclaim it have ceased to be the church. And I, I've, I've spent all this time, and you know, all these examples to press home that this false gospel is 
pervasive in our world. And your, your kids and your grandkids probably believe it more than you know. And they get it at school. And they get it in the Disney and Pixar movies that you buy for them. And you, you bought them because they're wholesome. You bought them because of what they don't have in it. You know, they don't have this kind of scene and that kind of scene. And they, but they, they obsessively promote the gospel of the sovereign self. Ariel's got to be herself. And if it's not to be a mermaid, and if it's not to be what her father thinks she should be, that's, you know, everybody's got to be themselves. Wally has got to be himself. Everybody's got to be himself. It's in the songs. It's in the advertisements. It's, it's in the books. And it's even in the sermons. And it's not controversial at all. And it's not just the kids and grandkids. We embrace the gospel of sovereign self more than we realize often. You can hear it in the way we encourage one another. The way we encourage and guide our young people. You're the good. You're the best. You're awesome. And you're wonderful. And you're beautiful. And you're the best you that ever could be. And you'll discover what it is what you've been made for. What you, it's, you know, you got it. It's in you. It's in the relationship advice we give. Which seems to me, we don't, it's not said this way, but a lot of times the relationship advice we give is, don't, don't worry, sweetie. Someone will come along and, who appreciates you for the gift that you are. We wouldn't say that. But it amounts to the same. And, it, it, you know, it's, it's, something's happened. What, what happened to this is the character of the person you want to be married to? This is the faith they should have. This is what they should be like. And then also, what about you? Are you uh, someone that that person would be willing to marry? <laughs> And the sense of becoming the saint we're called to be under the terms of the gospel of sovereign self when it leaks into the church, it, this, that kind of thing, that moral transformation thing kind of recedes into the background or maybe even gets to, just pushed into a different category. The need to submit to the transforming, sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit recedes into the background. Because ultimately, the gospel of the sovereign self and the gospel of the salvation by grace through faith in Christ, they are diametrically opposed to one another. They're philosophically opposed to one another. They are at odds with one another. They are not compatible at all. In one, outside influence must be resisted at all costs. In the other, the outside influence of God's Spirit on and in the human part is an absolute necessity. One of those Gospels assumes the essential goodness of the self. 
going to lead you right. Get in touch with it. It, it. It's got the truth. The other assumes the essential moral brokenness of the human heart. The Christian gospel inevitably leads to terms like submission, obedience, conformity to the image and character of Christ. Those words are bad words, <laughs> fighting words, despicable words to be used in any context in the gospel of the sovereign self. Submission, obedience, conformity. It's offensive. And under the gospel of the sovereign self, counterproductive to the really fulfilled life. But the human heart, yours and mine, doesn't need to be discovered and nurtured and released to be all it wants to be. It needs to be changed into something it is not yet. And if you're in Christ, into what it is not yet fully and completely. Um, this message today arose out of my own devotional time in the Bible, you may be relieved to learn, I'm up here quoting Conway Twitty and Apollo Abdul and Celine Dion and Braveheart. You think, what's he doing this time? It came out of the Bible, I promise. Here's the text that got me started. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Doesn't mean he was born out of, born out of wedlock. It means that he's, he's a born and bred sinner. It's in his DNA. He's bad to the bone. You know, it's, it's in him, in the warp and woof of him. It's, it's in him. Behold, you delight in truth and the inward being. You teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. According to the Bible... The heart is not to be followed. It is to be led. It is not to be sovereign. It is to submit. It is to be changed by the grace of God through faith in Christ. Apart from God's transforming work, Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately Sick And the heart speaks of our emotions, our passions, our desires, our affections. And a desperately sick heart is afflicted with inappropriate 
emotions, twisted passions, wicked desires, misguided affections. We love things we ought to hate. We hate things we ought to love. We run toward when we ought to run away. We run away when we should run toward. Jesus said it isn't what we eat that defiles us, but what's already in our hearts. He says, Matthew 15, 19, For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And our deepest problems, not in terms of our, our uh, judicial standing, our legal standing with God, but on where we live, our biggest problems are always heart problems. Our, our hearts, as they, as, we, as they came with us, apart from God's transforming power, they tell us consistently that all of reality from our spouse to our friends to the traffic light up in front of it, all of it should serve our desires. I'm like, I'm past 40 years in Christ. I can still get annoyed at a traffic light. You're staying red too long. <laughs> it's preposterous. Our, our, our hearts tell us that our sins are light, defensible, at least understandable. And that the, our hearts, the same heart tells us the sins of others are heinous and, and should be punished. Lot followed his heart when he chose the well-watered and lush Jordan Valley, even if it meant moving his family into Sodom. Abram followed his heart when he bore a son by Hagar that he might do what, what he and Sarah thought God was too slow about doing. He listened to his heart when he lied about Sarah being his wife to keep himself out of danger, exposing her to defilement or maybe worse. Joseph's brothers followed their hearts when they sold him into slavery. They were, just, they were in touch with what they wanted. <laughs> they were in touch with what they really wanted to do. Moses followed his heart when he struck the Egyptian dead. He followed his heart when he... His, his angry, frustrated heart when he struck the rock that God told him to speak to. The children of Israel followed their hearts when they worshipped the golden calf and when they grumbled against Moses and God about the food. And when they were too afraid to take the land that God had promised to give them. Samson always followed his heart. Eli couldn't find it in his heart to discipline his wicked sons. King David followed his heart when he brought Bathsheba to his bed. He followed his heart again when he, his strong sense of self-sufficiency led him to put numbers to his strength and instead of relying on the Lord that cannot be measured. Solomon's heart burned for the love of many women who turned his heart away from God. Judas 
certainly followed his heart, betraying the Savior for money. And in fact, Peter's true self, his true heart, his bottom line concern for self-preservation led him to deny Christ three times before breakfast. Ananias and I mean uh, Annas and Caiaphas hearts were were black as pitch and, and blinded them to the gravity and heinousness of their sins against God in orchestrating the death of God's own son by the hands of Roman soldiers. On and on. Mark's young John Mark's uh, heart was homesick. And so he went home. John Bloom, with Desiring God, he writes, Our hearts were never designed to be gods in whom we believe. They were designed to believe in God. And we might add, they're designed to be led by God and to be changed by God. We sang a terrific song today along these lines. This one, Give me one pure and holy passion. Give me one magnificent obsession. Jesus, give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. How, how, how contrary that is to the, to the gospel of the sovereign self. In other words, not discovering a passion, finding a passion. Give me one from you. <laughs> give me the only one that counts, the only one that's worth it. The only one that saves That's a great prayer. Give me an obsession to know and follow you. Let me be like you in, in my character, my affections. Let me see. Lord, let that be the single glorious ambition for our lives. We need you, Lord, the sovereign God to change our hearts to be like our Lord and Savior Jesus. Mold us, shape us, transform us into what you've called us to be. Well, let me, let me end with this. It just it, Bring it full circle. That prayer, if you'll pray it, <laughs> and, and you mean it, change me. Make me into what I'm not yet. Give me that magnificent obsession, passion to know and follow hard after you and be more like you. That is a prayer that will be answered, yes, in the affirmative, because the God of the true gospel is sovereign in every sense. And he has said in his word, we know that for, all, for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. Those whom he called, he also justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. 
If you've believed in Christ, it's because you have been called according to his purpose. You may not be aware of having been called, but if you believe, you have been called. You were destined to become conformed to the image of God's Son. That passage says, before you were born. You were called, and you, because you were called, you heard and you believed. You were justified. You were declared not guilty before God. And glorification, the completion of your transformation in Jesus Christ, is in your future, not because you're so good at it, but because God is sovereign, and that's where you're headed. That's where you're going. His will reigns, and His will cannot be frustrated. So here's the message it will end. Let's go. Let's get to where we're going morally and spiritually and in every way. It's not, to, it's not following your heart. It's giving it to God to be changed. To be led. To be transformed. To be like Christ's heart. To want what Christ wants. To love what Christ loves. To hate what Christ hates. Let's pray. Lord, make us what you've destined us to be. We, we don't want to drag our feet. We won't, don't want to hang back. We want to be clay in the potter's hands. For you are good, you love us, and you're willing to make saints out of sinners. Lord, let it be so with us, and let us not fight against it in any way, but submit to it, yield ourselves to it, welcome it, be glad for it, rejoice in it. Lord, may the prayer of our hearts match the prayer of our songs today. May they be prayed sincerely and answered according to your sovereign will and promise. And grant grace to any who have not believed and are outside of Christ to lose themselves for Christ's sake, that they might find themselves again in him. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.